Green Gospel, The New World Religion, Chapter 3, The Gospel According to Al Gore. And thus, in the primitive simplicity of their minds, and more readily, fall victims to the big lie than the small lie, Adolf Hitler, Mein Kampf. Ehrlich's pal Al Gore joined the AGW, the Anthropogenic Global Warming, meaning human-caused global warming, movement in the 1980s. Under the tutoring of NASA scientist James Hansen, Gore became fervently convinced that the only way to preserve humanity from the coming climate catastrophe would be to lead a worldwide campaign to convince individuals, corporations, politicians, and world leaders to drastically curtail the production and use of fossil fuels. Of course, doing so would severely reduce our wealth, standard of living, and quality of life. Another influencer was former Senator Timothy Worth, who was instrumental in finding Hansen and bringing him before a 1998 Senate committee at which he stated he was 99% certain that human CO2 was the culprit for global warming. Worth's 1993 comment that we've got to ride the global warming issue, even if the global warming theory is all wrong, we will be doing the right thing. That exposes the fact they didn't care about the truth. What they wanted was an environmental green vehicle to carry their political agenda of population reduction and total government control. The Canadian Minister of the Environment reiterated the idea when she said, no matter if the science of global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. As I alluded to in the previous chapter, Gore's illustrated book titled An Inconvenient Truth was followed with a movie of the same title that has already been mentioned and that has been shown around the globe, including to millions of students in classrooms throughout the Western Hemisphere. Gore has trained hundreds of supporters to make his prepared presentation. Gore's partisan ideological book and movie are presented as objective climate science and a moral compass dealing with what he calls the planetary emergency of global warming. His presentation promotes a remarkable number of false and unsupported claims. In the week Gore received his Nobel Prize, a UK judge ruled that if shown in the schools, the teacher must identify nine major scientific errors as well as the propaganda nature of the work. He also said a balance should be provided by showing a countering documentary such as The Great Global Warming Swindle. Gore's book claims that global warming is endangering the population of polar bears, stating that polar bears have been drowning in significant numbers due to the loss of Arctic sea ice. This assertion was based on nothing more than a single 2005 report that found that four polar bears had drowned in one month due to an exceptional storm in the Beaufort Sea. The truth is that the polar bear population has risen significantly in the Svalbard Islands and across the Arctic. In Canada, Inuit people report they've never seen so many polar bears. The only possible threat to polar bears come from hunting, which involves issuing licenses each year and hunting polar bears is easily controlled and modified annually through legal restrictions on the number of licenses sold. More importantly, Inuit families were able to sell the license if numbers allowed and the U.S. government intervened. Doing so was a major source of income. The major error in all of these claims of collapse of populations and extinctions involves a false premise. It is the same false premise that exists about climate change, namely that neither animal populations nor climate changes. 
animal populations fluctuate significantly all the time and extinction is the norm. However, consider the fact that it is estimated we only have discovered and identified approximately 35% of these species on the planet. Every month, many more species are discovered than go extinct. Even the supposedly environmentally aware National Geographic Society had an article in May 2014 listing the top 10 new species of 2014. Gore bases all his ideas about climate on what the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, says. Gore claims the IPCC represents the opinion of the global scientific community and accepts without question that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is almost the sole cause of runaway global temperatures. According to climatological and geological experts, shifts in CO2 have no relationship to global warming or climate change. In fact, every record from any time period in the Earth's history, temperature increases before CO2 does. This is in complete contradiction to the IPCC claim that CO2 increase causes temperature increase. The most fundamental assumption of their claim is absolutely wrong. The only place in the world where CO2 increases before temperature is in computer models that the IPCC uses to predict global warming. No wonder every prediction they've ever made was wrong. Consequently, Gore's linking their predictions to any change in CO2 levels is wrong. The list is long, but at the top are his predicted rises in sea levels resulting from an increase in CO2 levels in the atmosphere. Gore also suggests that an increase of only 100 parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere, a rise from 385 to 485 parts per million by volume, would produce the difference between ice age temperature and interglacial temperature maximum. The CO2 increase does not produce enough temperature increase to explain the range of temperatures between the ice age and now. He ignores the geological record that shows the Ordovician ice age occurring with CO2 levels over 4,000 parts per million. Gore overstates by 10 times the mainstream climate science consensus by exaggerating it with an endless estimate of the effects of rising levels of CO2 on global temperature and sea level rise. He even disagrees with the IPCC who puts the potential rise at a fraction of his claim. Of course, Gore wants the sea levels to rise, which is why he made computer-generated flooding a major part of his movie. He also wants polar bears to drown to raise the emotional quotient of his alarmist political agenda. Author and one of the most influential and prolific journalists in America in the 1930s, H. L. Mencken, in the tradition of Mark Twain explained, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. People display their confusion and exploitation in their speeches. Gore refers to carbon dioxide as global warming pollution. The United States EPA has officially declared that CO2 is a harmful substance that should be regulated by the federal government. However, CO2 is not a pollutant. I'll say that again. CO2 is not a pollutant. CO2 is a vital atmospheric trace gas that is an essential nutrient and food for plant life. Without CO2, there would be no plants, therefore no oxygen, and without which 
there would be no animals, including humans. Gore would like you to believe that the very thing you exhale is problematic. Because you breathe, you are a problem. We also know from research and addition of CO2 to greenhouses that plants function best at about 1,200 parts per million by volume. So at current levels of just 390 parts per million, they are essentially malnourished. President Obama talked about carbon pollution. He thought he was saying carbon dioxide pollution, but the truth is carbon is a solid, while carbon dioxide, CO2, is a gas. They are not the same thing at all. Gore has been one of the biggest proponents of the religion of man-made global warming for the last three decades. In the summer of 1992, Al Gore's book, Earth in the Balance, was published, knighting him as the world's foremost global warming go-to guy, and he has worked overtime to convince the world that humans are the single culprit of global warming and latterly climate change. According to Gore, ordinary things such as burning coal or driving your car to work or cutting down trees to produce lumber for your home all have dire consequences. Notice that there is a central assumption to these ideas, namely that human actions are unnatural. The Greenpeace report on global warming said carbon dioxide is added to the atmosphere naturally and unnaturally. The unnatural portion is from humans, which implies if human activities are unnatural, then humans are unnatural. This is another part of the environmentalist doctrine. Very anti-human. Ironically, if we are unnatural, then it implies that God put us here, but they don't complete their thoughts if it contradicts their deceit. In 1999, Gore founded the Alliance for Climate Protection. In 2004, he and David Blood, formerly the chief executive of Goldman Sachs Asset Management, founded Generation Investment Management to manage carbon trading credits. In 2010, Ameritrade disclosed that Generation Investment Management raked in a whopping $7 billion plus. In addition, Gore generates an average of $150,000 per global warming speaking engagement and is still pulling in exorbitant lucre from his inconvenient truths, or perhaps more accurately, convenient lies mantra. Despite his outlandish claims that sea levels are rising, he bought a deluxe oceanfront property in the San Francisco Bay Area. Gore churns out his deceptive fraud using terms like Arctic ice shrinkage, melting polar ice caps, polar bears drowning, drastic species reduction, freak storms, drastic sea levels rising, and coral bleaching, further demonizing CO2 for all of it. Al Gore famously predicted in 2008 that the Arctic would be ice-free within five years. It's been 11 years since his prediction, and the Arctic is still full of ice. Imagine that. In fact, the Arctic did the exact opposite of what Gore predicted and increased 50% from 2012 levels. Coupled with his flagrant hypocrisy, hyperbole, and hysteria, Gore has lined his deep pockets with enormous amounts of money for decades. He's going green, all right. Green backs. This unsavory huckster continues his global warming echo chamber rhetoric about a climate crisis wherever he goes, yet not one of his preposterous claims has ever proved accurate. Meanwhile, his company GIM continues to bring in billions by issuing certificates that enable investors in alternative energy companies to believe 
that they have helped improve the Earth's climate by investing in carbon offset arrangements. In doing so, they supposedly offset their enormous carbon footprint, a created term, by the way, carbon footprint. There's no such thing. It offsets their carbon footprint created by using private jets and other significant uses of energy. Now you know why I call them Learjet limousine liberals. Their investments in renewable energy companies and in developing green energy all serve to demonstrate their commitment to saving the earth. Gore conveniently overlooks the fact that there is an enormous well-funded global warming industry in which he is a significant player. The climate change industry supports the academics, scientists, the NGOs, media, and political groups that together promote the anthropogenic global warming movement. Despite a number of scientists and researchers having disputed the numerous errors in An Inconvenient Truth, Gore still refuses to debate his critics despite many invitations. Instead of debating, he demonizes anyone who dares to disagree with him, calling them climate deniers and insisting that those climate criminals should be dealt with in the harshest way. In fact, his pal Naomi Oreska is affiliate professor of Earth and Planetary Sciences at Harvard University likes the idea of having climate deniers prosecuted under the RICO Act. The problem is that Gore creates the false fear and that not only profits from it, but he demonizes anyone who dares question him. In addition, his lifestyle is in complete contradiction to his preaching, and he is that most despised of people, a hypocrite. The sale of carbon credits is the modern equivalent of another religious scam that exploited religion and people's weaknesses, namely the sale of indulgences during the Middle Ages. Alexander Coburn, in an article, made the comparison between indulgences and carbon credits. He wrote, Then as now, a buoyant market throve on fear. The Roman Catholic Church was a bank whose capital was secured by the infinite mercy of Christ, Mary, and the saints, and so the Pope could sell indulgences like checks. The sinners established a line of credit against bad behavior that could go on sinning. Today, a world market in carbon credits is information. Those whose carbon footprint is small can sell their surplus carbon credits to others less virtuous than themselves. It's a good analogy, but especially so as both create a source of income for those who identify and define the problem, exploit the guilt, and offer up a solution. They also do nothing to ameliorate the supposed problems, the amount of sinning, or in Gore's case, the amount of CO2 going into the atmosphere from human sources. In fact, they almost guarantee an increase in both cases. The analogy fails because sin exists whether it is a transgression against religious or secular law. CO2 in the atmosphere from any source, including humans, is not causing global warming or climate change. It is essential to life on the planet and has been demonstrated that an increase in atmospheric levels is beneficial to distribution, abundance, and productivity. There is a pathetic irony in the fact that financial gain, if not necessarily the underlying motive, is certainly the reward of these modern-day gangsters. Financial gain is one of the unforgivable sins of the evil energy companies producing this planet-destroying CO2. An inconvenient truth is full of thick and fast examples. Gore's public appearances are a litany of stories from the past designed to capture through fear and to stick in the mind. The media repeats and amplifies them. Gore was involved early in the establishment of carbon credits as part of the Kyoto Accord. Even though the accord has failed, carbon credits, its most bizarre byproduct, survived in the form of 
of carbon taxes. The Paris Climate Accord in September of 2015 would see the attempts to expand carbon credits through the Green Fund managed by the United Nations to fund global governance, which springboards in to why Donald Trump axed the Paris Climate Accord, and I'll talk about that later. Very significant, by the way. Another person who benefited from the global warming scare and the sale of carbon credits was Maurice Strong, who, as I will explain later, was the central figure at the United Nations, founder of the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP, and the IPCC, and a very good friend of Al Gore. Here's what James Murray wrote about Gore's behavior. Apparently, rather than debating the merits of his argument in a rational and reasoned manner, Gore is left only with ad hominem attacks and smug condensation towards his critics. Self-avowed PR agent for the planet, Gore, says those who still doubt that global warming is caused by man are acting like the fringe groups who think that the 1969 moon landing never really happened or who believe the world is flat. What is Al Gore's story? Here's what he told Congress in March of 2007 in a presentation that broke their rules of having submitted a presentation in advance and leaving before answering questions. The science is settled, Gore told the lawmakers. Carbon dioxide emissions from cars, power plants, buildings, and other sources are heating the Earth's atmosphere. He reiterated the same science is settled mantra on the David Letterman show. The planet has a fever, Gore said. If your baby has a fever, you go to the doctor. If the doctor says you need to intervene here, you don't say, well, I read a science fiction novel that tells me it's not a problem. Gore said that if left unchecked, global warming could lead to a drastic change in the weather, sea levels, and other aspects of the environment. He raised the threat in 2008 using NASA's James Hansen's claim of a tipping point in 10 years as the basis for arguing that the United States has only 10 years to become carbon independent. Gore's objective is to eliminate human production of CO2 to save people, especially those in developing nations, from dying in severe weather, drowning in rising seas, or starving because of high temperatures and drought. Ironically, instead of increasing the standard of living throughout the world, these policies have resulted in higher energy costs and have lowered the standard of living throughout the world. The week after Al Gore's film won an Academy Award, the Tennessee Center for Policy Research revealed that Gore's upscale Nashville mansion consumed more electricity in one month than the average household uses in one year. His so-called carbon footprint exceeded the average by a factor of 20. In other words, Gore's Nashville home uses 20 times the electricity of an average U.S. household. A year later, apparently after taking steps to make his home more energy efficient, his energy use was up 10%. Drew Johnson, president of the Tennessee Center, said Al Gore is a hypocrite and a fraud when it comes to his commitment to the environment, judging by his home energy consumption. In an interview with Jimmy Fallon, late-night TV talk show host Gore said, This is no longer climate change. We don't call it that. Nor do we call it climate disruption, as some were calling it. We need to call it what it is, Jimmy. This is a climate catastrophe. Gore went on to spout bogus, nonsensical statistics and concluded the interview by saying, What we need is a strict planetary regime and tough sanctions on noncompliance, and we're working to bring that about. 
Since when did Al Gore become a climatologist? Or better yet, when did he become the head of the eco-Gestapo? The fact that the planet has been cooling for close to 20 years doesn't deter Gore. He continues to spew out his ever-mounting warming hysteria with wilder and more outlandish claims at every interval. The only thing that is full of hot air seems to be him.